And welcome back to Kidman Talk. This is the 94th episode, and this one's a very special episode because it is an international podcast. That's right, we have a very special guest with us today, a good friend of mine that I talk Kidman with all the time. In fact, behind the scenes, Nikki Straza has been a great resource to me uh, in many Kidology projects. She's got some cool stuff on the website, and uh, today we're looking forward to having a Kidman talk right here. And so glad that you are joining us. So, we've got a cool topic for today. We are going to be talking about really the difference between teaching kids and equipping kids. Getting it from knowledge to life practice. We're also going to hit on recruiting tips and some advice for newbies. uh, Some of the usual things. Maybe even talk a little Star Wars at the end. But right now, I just want you to relax. uh, Wherever you are, driving, chilling at home, in your office, as Nikki and I... Talk Kidman. Woo-hoo. Hey, thanks, Nikki, for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I feel so honored. I've never done this before. I'm very excited. Well, this is cool. Well, uh, Nikki, you're someone that I chat with a lot. A lot of times um, when I've got a new project or I just want a fresh perspective, um, we've done the FaceTime thing, and uh, you always come up with a new angle or something big that I've completely overlooked. Um, and I've always uh, appreciated that. You've contributed to Disciple Town Consulting. In fact, I made you business cards. I don't know if you have one there, probably not, that say Creative Consultant. I made those just for a few of my friends who really are my kind of ace up my sleeve. So maybe I'm giving away my secret um, by introducing you to folks. But folks, I met Nikki a couple of years ago. Uh, she's part of a team that started a Kidman conference up in Canada. It's uh, called the Kid Builders Conference, and uh, I got to be uh, the keynote speaker at the first one, and they've never had me back, so I don't know. Maybe I didn't do that good a We're job. <laughs> no, they, they have somebody new every year. Now they do it every other year, and they've partnered with another conference up there. But uh, So if you are in Canada, eh, you need to know Nikki, and you need to get networking uh, with her. I know it's a, a big country, um, but tell everybody a little bit about where, where you are in Canada, what you do, and, uh, and then we'll dive into our topic for today. Fantastic. So I uh, live, work, eat, breathe, and sleep in Brantford, Ontario, and it's about an hour west of Toronto, right on the 403, and I serve at a church called Freedom House, which is in the heart of downtown Brantford. And we've been here about 13 years, so started right from church plant days, and we celebrated our 13th anniversary in January. I've been involved in kids' ministry since I was a kid, almost, uh, probably 25 years at least that I've been leading in some capacity in children's ministry, and I just keep learning and finding new things and uh, discovering more of what God has got plan for kids and then the technology keeps changing so then I have to keep learning so the older I get that the more interesting that becomes so that's why I'm very grateful for you because you are very uh, wise in the ways of technology so well (laughs) it's it's a struggle I try to make it look good but people don't see behind the scenes and I'm like but uh, (laughs) things never go exactly as we want well your church does some amazing things and I know you've you've served in many roles there not just children's ministry with admin even finances all kinds of stuff as as the church has grown you just recently finished a pretty big event that you do for your city called Frosty Fest. Just tell everyone a little bit about that. I think that's so cool. 
Yeah. So um, we decided several years ago that our mandate had to be outside the church. And so we uh, went to the city uh, and the city planners of our Harmony Square, which is uh, about a half a block away from where we are located. It's a beautiful new uh, town square with an ice rink and all those great things, a splash pad in the summer and a stage. And they came to us and said, we have some great events but we would really love to have a winter carnival. Do you guys do winter carnivals? <laughs> and my lead pastor said, ah, sure. <laughs> said yes, and then we he came back to the lead team and said, so I said yes to doing a winter carnival. And we all Googled winter carnival. So um, we we did it for eight years. It's uh, We did our eighth one this past uh, February. Wow. And the weather can either be the worst thing or the best thing that happens at, Fro- at Frosty Fest. And the last two years, it was minus 20. It was subarctic. It was insane. And uh, it was very cold and very few people ventured out um, to our event. But this year, God gave us 10 degrees in this in plus. So it was warm. That's warm in like, Canada, right? Sorry? That's warm in Canada, right? 10 degrees? <laughs> 10 degrees centigrade. Yeah, that's about 60 degrees. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) So it was absolutely uh, wonderful. It was warm. It was sunny. And we had 15,000 people come through the downtown core to ride midway rides, watch melting ice, watch figure skaters on a very wet layer of ice, um, eat carnival food, jump on inflatables, visit our carnival games, Uh, Come and see our superhero and princess show and all of the things that took place over the course of the weekend. And our team of over 120 volunteers just served relentlessly, um, just hospitality after hospitality after hospitality. And begins Um, to really build a bridge with the community. I love that you're doing that in response to what the the city asked you to do. That's really living out your faith. You know, last week on uh, my Kidman talk with Josh Denhart, uh, we couldn't help but talk about what was behind him and you also i have this boring office i I tidied up a little bit for today but um tell us about that really quick that's really cool is that a motto of the church it's actually a motto of my children's ministry so my uh, elementary children's ministry is called laugh academy l-a-f-f and it stands for loved accepted forgiven and free i love that so you just keep hitting on those things the kids are loved accepted forgiven and free Absolutely. And, and it's one of those things where it's our identity, who we are in Christ, summarized in four great le- uh, letters. And if we understand who we are in Christ, we can laugh through life. Cool. Well, that's a great segue to our topic today, because just telling kids they're loved, accepted, forgiven, and free is not enough. And um, we have an incredible role in children's ministry. All of you who are, are listening um, the the impact and the power of the, of the influence God has given us with the little bit of time we have to these kids to communicate to them whatever whatever we hang it on, whether it's this loved, accepted, forgiven, free, or something else. Um, I know the impact that the children's workers had on me when I was a kid. Um, and yeah, I was a preacher's kid, but it wasn't just my mom and dad who poured into me. It was others like Margaret Bramble and Charlie Han. And um, I could list a bunch of names. Um, Helen Reed, that was the other one I wanted to say. And um, I'm in ministry today because of them. But 
just talking to kids isn't enough. So, Nikki, one of the things I really appreciate you, especially as I consulted with you on some writing projects, is you always help bring it around to, yeah, let's not just teach it, but how do we have them experience it? I, I've seen where, where you've written um, that it's education really versus experience. And so that's what I want to I want to talk about today. Um, that's your passion. Um, what? Why is that your passion? What? Just just kind of unfold that a little bit for us. Uh, I think it it's so important to me because I really love to see the light bulb, and uh, kidology, of course, is the light bulb. But the <laughs> I love to see the Holy Spirit aha moment or the oh I get that moment when they grab something out of experience or because they've made a connection between what they've experienced and a piece of truth from scripture. And one of the greatest examples, so this entire month, I am ta taking uh, the month, our taking our grade six to 11s through rudimentary apologetics. And sometimes people would look at me and go, pardon? Like, what is that? And why would you be taking your kids through deep th theology and, and, difficult questions that usually we talk to teenagers and adults about but it's amazing how you can actually layer in truth by giving them an experience so for example I'll give you the short version I wanted to teach the kids uh, how significant and why the Bible was true because of all the reliable copies throughout history that we have of the New Testament and the Old Testament and so we played a game of telephone first, and it started off with something, and then of course we went around 18 kids, and we, by the time it got to the end, it wasn't anything like we started. And we started to explain like how important that is. I said, now how amazing would it be if that same you know phrase that we started with ended up exactly the same at the end? Would you trust, would you wanna listen to that nugget? And they're like, yes, it must be important if people took that much care. Yeah. Big quote. Now let me talk to you about the copies of scripture. And so I allowed that experience to teach about the validity of scripture. And I don't have to teach much then. Yeah. Because the activity taught it and it related it to something they know. Yeah, and you're you're also um and this sounds kind of funny to say because it should be a, a duh, but you're allowing <laughs> the Holy Spirit to have a role in the teaching is what you're doing Absolutely. because um, so we can use the greatest skits and drama and games and object lessons and all these things that, that we do and that you're so good at. Um, but we have to um, learn how to help kids hear from God themselves because they're not obviously always with us, won't always be with us as they get older. And so we've got to create these experiences. So one of the things I know when I'm teaching I always want to. I always ask myself, how can I get kids to experience what I'm doing? And sometimes that's even um, uh, doing something that's a little, I don't know. I don't want to say mean, um, but where like I'll do a game that's impossible, you know, where nobody can win, you know, and the kids get angry because it wasn't a fair game. And I say, well, th that that's what it would take to get to heaven, you know. And God didn't create the law to get to heaven. He created the law to frustrate us so that as we tried to pursue the law, we would finally get annoyed at God and say, I can't do this, God. And he says, that's right. Jesus did it for you. Or I did a game last year. We were teaching on building your house on the rock. And I, I had a boys against girls. But for the boys, since sand things would still stand, I did a board with marbles they had to build on. 
and then the girls, of course, they they had a nice board, and the boys thought it wasn't fair because their thing kept falling. Um, but you know, creating those emotions is so important. So I think there's two aspects of this we could talk about. The the second will be how do we do this outside of church? You know, after church. But first, let's talk about what are some ways that you help them experience God and experience the lesson in church. Absolutely. And there are so many aspects of it because it's not only the nuggets that you're teaching them, but actually interacting with a real time living God. And so being able to create those experiences to drive home a point is so valuable because they're experiencing the emotion, the frustration, the aggravation, the the, the difficulty that helps to give them insight into a spiritual concept. But when it comes to our relationship with living God, he is real. He's alive. He's present. Wait, you mean he's actually there in church. So we don't just talk about him. Here's what you might encounter this week. But you kind of take advantage of the fact that he's actually there and willing to be a part of your lesson. What a concept. I'm a secret believer in the fact that if I'm just teaching kids, I'm giving them religion. But if I'm creating experience, I'm letting them actually experience God. I don't want to give kids religion. I want to give them an opportunity to encounter God because he's going to teach them much more effectively than I ever will. And if I can help them to know and discern and test his voice as ch as children, that will hopefully stay with them for the rest of their lives and God will lead them to greatness. Well, and it has such a lasting impact. I remember one time we uh, I got booted out of our kids' church room because of construction, but it was last minute. So I found out literally Sunday morning, oh, you can't use that room. Something happened and and uh, was unavoidable. So, you know, I was totally cool with it. But I found myself with 100 kids in a gymnasium with nothing, no set, no props, no sound system. And I was going, okay, what do I do, God? You You, you did this for a reason. This isn't a mess up. And it ended up being my most memorable Sunday uh, in my whole ministry there that kids years later in high school would still talk about. As I just prayed and looked around the gym, I saw the only thing in there was a lift, you know, for to change the light bulbs. And, um, and God just gave me this really cool idea. I ran upstairs. I Google imaged a smiley face, uh, printed it on a piece of paper, ran it through the laminator, and then came back down before the kids would get in there. And I used the lift to put the smiley on the ceiling of the of the gymnasium, way up high. And I put the lift away and I actually just parked it on the side of the gym. There was no putting it away. But then I went and grabbed my jug of candy. And as the kids came into kids' church that day, there were signs that said, go to the gym. And uh, they would come up to me kind of discombobulated. And I would tell them, I've hidden the smiley in the room. If you can find the smiley and whisper in my ear where it is, don't point, don't tell anybody else, then I'll give you a piece of candy. So the kids were running all over the place, but there was nowhere to hide a smiley. I didn't tell them how big or small or what it looked like. They just knew smiley. But one by one, a few kids would look up and they, they would see it and they would come and whisper and then I'd give them candy and some of them became false prophets. They were running around misleading the other kids. But finally, a little a sweet little first grade girl, as she whispered in my ear, she couldn't help gesturing. And so then all the kids looked up and it was huge. I mean, it was a whole eight and a half by 11, you know, big smiley. So then they all ran in. I'm like, game's over, you know. And uh, so I, they're like, how'd you get it up there? You know, so I rolled the lift out after a bunch of silly, non-true stories about my springs on my shoes and stuff. 
Um, so I actually went up in the lift and had the kids lay on the ground all around it. I found out later there was some safety bars that were supposed to be in there um, that I didn't know about. But uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> that's kids ministry. Uh, but I talked about how the world offers happiness. You know, as Americans, it's part of our founding documents, the pursuit of happiness, right? And uh, But they search for it in all the wrong places, and it's found only by looking up. And then, And there are people who will mislead you in where happiness is, and I pointed out some of them. Um, but I had kids years later, uh, literally seven or eight years later, would be in high school, and there'd be a, an overnighter at church, and they'd be in sleeping bags in the gymnasium, and they'd lay down, and they'd see that smiley, and they would come back to me and say, it's still there. And of course, I'd say, and what does it remind you of? Happiness is found by looking up, you know. But that experience, you know, was a God thing. Um, and I'm sure you've you've got a similar story or two. Well, the cool thing, and I just would love to unpack, the cool thing about when you use experience to teach things and allow kids to experience, the Holy Spirit lays in all this nuance that you couldn't mm -hmm. possibly create in a lecture or in a PowerPoint or in even a really carefully crafted object lesson. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you can't get those little nuances yeah. of you know, that, that really stick with people. And I think one of my favorite object lessons I ever used, I, I was struggling to really communicate to the kids the value of worship. I didn't want it to be about singing and I didn't want it to be non-relational. And I was praying and asking God, I'm like, God, same question. What do I do? How do I do this? That's a really great question for kids, man. How do I do this, God? And all of a sudden he started, he literally just dropped the idea. What's your favorite smell? And I'm like, that's a weird thing. And I'm like, well, my favorite smell is chocolate chip cookies. And he says, and what do you do when you smell it? And I all of a sudden went, Oh, worship is God's favorite smell. Of course. And it just, it made these connections. And so I created this whole object lesson around what is your favorite spell and I was cooking chocolate chip cookies in the back and telling telling the story as if it was in the past and and believing like the memory's so vivid I could smell it right now but it's actually cooking in the back and it was just amazing because the, the kids, kids are going, saying I smell it too <laughs> right the kids are like no no I smell chocolate do you smell chocolate chip? I do they get up and they start to run and they start to find it sure enough they find cookies and then I just ask them what do you think God's favorite smell is? I don't know. It's worship. And so for years, we joked about chocolate chip worship and how when we worship, it's God's favorite smell. And Well, kids, Psalms oh, talks about, or maybe it's Isaiah, I forget, but about our worship being like incense that goes up to the heavens. And um, boy, nowadays that might have been that uh, it's like chocolate chip, the aroma of chocolate chips. Absolutely. And and you can drive from the part, the home, the point that, you know, he dwells in the praises of his people. He's not forced to be there. He wants, he's drawn to. And it's those experiences of following your nose that make it a personal, relational, interactive, real-time experience for kids. They didn't sing those songs the same way because Every time we sang a song, it wasn't I'm singing to, I'm inviting God to. I'm bringing yeah. God here. And it changed their interaction with him. And that was a Holy Spirit idea. And those are always the ones that stick. 
And they're usually laced with nuance and usually laced with experience that become teachable points afterwards. Well, and it starts with us. You know, we need to experience it ourselves. Um, I, as we were talking before we hit record, you said something about you can't give what you don't have. Is that the way you said it? It's exactly it. Yeah, I've heard someone else say, I'm a hiker. Uh, you can't take somebody somewhere you've never been. Um, so that's so important. Um, so whatever you're teaching, um, whether you use a curriculum or whether you're doing it just yourself and the Word of God um, and supplemental resources like Onkidology, um, you know, it's so important to say, how do I translate this to a kid? You know, I was at a men's conference a few years ago and the, 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 the guest speaker was preaching about um, grace and yet the whole time all his illustrations weren't grace, they were mercy. You know, and mercy and grace are very similar. We use them interchangeably. I'm sure some people listening are going, I couldn't tell you the difference. Um, that's why we get an education and go to Bible college and all that. I'll give you in a nutshell, you know, grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. They're very similar, but I use those in parenting. You know, if I give my son something he doesn't deserve because of his behavior, that's grace. If I don't discipline him, then he does deserve it that I'm extending mercy. But I was thinking, all right, well, if a, if a, and this guy wasn't a, a theologically trained pastor, he was a worship pastor. So, you know, theology was probably not his strength, but I thought if, if he doesn't get the difference, how do I teach that to kids? And I really wrestled with that. And I came up with an object lesson I love doing now where I pick a boy and a girl. I always pick the cutest, sweetest little thing and some big sixth grade boy and I, I create a game that I know the boy's going to win. And um, and so, but before the game, I have a little squirt gun and a little candy bar. And I say, you know, the winner gets the candy bar and the loser gets squirted. And I make sure they agree to those terms before the game. And uh, so the boy wins and he's he's very excited um, that he's going to get the, the candy bar. And I give it to him. And then for the little girl, I, then I go backstage and I bring out the biggest, shyness super soaker that I have. And her eyes go wide, and of course the audience goes nuts. And I say, oh, I'm sorry, you you thought you were going to get squirted with this. I didn't say you'd be squirted with this. I just said you'd be squirted. And so, and the little girl, bless their little hearts, they always, you know, they'll brace themselves, and I'm pumping the gun up and getting it ready, and the boys are all, squirter, squirter, and the girls are all, Pastor Carl, you're terrible. And so I finally say, okay. And I say to you, you do deserve to be squirted. You did agree to that, right? And the girl's like, yeah, that's no, not my fault. You underestimated the consequence, you know. And so I end up showing mercy where I say, you know what? I'm going to show mercy. I am not going to squirt you. That's what mercy is. And they say, but now I'd also like to show you grace. And so I go backstage again and I come out with a giant candy bar. Or it can be a little licorice and a bag of licorice or a the boy gets one chocolate kiss and she gets a bag of chocolate kisses. And um, and then I give that to her as grace because she not she didn't get what she deserved, mercy, but she got something. Well, the boy always gets mad because he feels gypped because she ends up with more than him. And it's a great teaching opportunity about the parable of the vineyard workers. And, you know, God says, who are you to judge me if I'm generous to someone else? Did you not get what you agreed to? Well, the kids, it has an impact. That boy's never going to forget the difference between mercy and grace. Um, the girl, little girl, especially, is never going to forget 
the yeah. mercy and the grace because she goes home with this tangible expression of grace. Um, and but and I got the the seed of that idea from a from an object lesson. Um, but I love blowing them up bigger and um, and and adding you know the big super soaker and everything. But that's our challenge is to go. How do I create that emotional response where because I could make a song and do a race word, have kids go home and be able to define, you know, the difference between mercy and grace. But when they've experienced it, it it's so much more um, powerful. Absolutely. And, and the thing that's so significant for me in that is when we use emotional pieces, I mean, our lives are emotional. <laughs> you know, our relationship with God is not... Uh, logical it's not just theoretical it's not just mental ascent it's emotional and we need to be able to find god in those emotional moments and we need to be able to relate to god in those emotional emotional moments so when we can experience god emotionally yeah. That is the be-all and end-all of things, but it helps us to translate that to the real emotion of our life. And I love to piggyback experiences like that with another context of repentance. You know, now let's go to the cross. Jesus didn't deserve this, and yet, and we don't deserve, and this is what we do deserve, and yet. Yeah. And now I'm taking that already emotionally charged experience experience and I'm bringing it in the context of faith and I'm not teaching I'm letting the emotion inform truth and and expand truth so I'm taking the truth nugget taking that emotional slamming them together and what happens is truth and emotion are then married together mm-hmm. and we begin to experience God in a really unique way and you know, we can really make that experience experience driven. And so we really have to make sure that that truth nugget is there because experience isn't the be all and end all of our relationship with God. It has to be tested and it has to be married with truth. But when you can marry truth and, and emotion together, those moments will stay with those kids forever. Yeah. And I think there's, uh, and you alluded to it there. So it reminded me, there's a difference between creating an experience for the sake of experience, because someone listening to us could be critical and say, well, I don't want to just stir up the kids' emotions so they have this emotional encounter with God. Um, that's not what you're talking about. What you're talking about is tying that truth to emotion and, and helping them experience an emotion, but then bridging it to truth. Because we don't want kids to just crave emotion because there's times when we don't feel God and that's when we do trust with logic that he's there because of the apologetics that you've taught and things like that. Um, you know, I was at a church one time, not teaching, but volunteering, where they asked the kids to all have a quiet time right there. Instead of telling them, do this at home, they did it right there, walked them through an acronym of Thanksgiving and confession and stuff, but then asked them to kind of just listen to God and allow God to bring something to mind could be a person, it could be just a picture or something. And then as the kids shared that, some were like, what? You know, and it, it, it didn't really hit them. But some said, you know, my, my grandma came to mind and, and she's struggling with cancer or whatever. And we prayed for her. Others had kind of a visual. And um, I, I appreciate the leader didn't try to go, well, God, how'd you think of that? Because, you know, this wasn't a forced prophetic word, but it was trained the kids to to be open about it. Um, but how do you prevent that from, you know, 
becoming where they're just trying to make up things or whatever. Um, before before we started recording, you were you gave me some tips, and I thought I want you to share those of how do you where do you find that balancing the emotion and truth? Absolutely. Uh, for me, it's so important uh, when we're exploring and experiencing God that it comes with the counterbalance of testing the word. That's the scripture key. says test everything. Test everything. Keep what is good. Discard the rest. Yeah. You know, the meat, spit up the bones. That's my paraphrase. Right? But we want to test everything. Um, so often we're so eager to get the kids into this emotional space or this cool God moment that we actually forget that it has to have that counterbalance of testing it because otherwise they will be led by emotion. Yeah. We need to know our scripture. So, so yeah, for God, me, God led me to steal those baseball cards from the store that I want. <laughs> absolutely. And I use examples like that. So I'll say, okay, you know, so oftentimes I'll open a... Uh, a creative time, or if we're in prayer, I'll say, I'm actually going to steer that point of, of meditation or of quiet time with God specifically. So I'm going to say, instead of leaving it open, I'm going to say, let's ask God to show us how big his love is. And then it kind of narrows down the big scope of That's what good. they could be thinking about into something that forces them at least to think about who God is. And to watch the kids. And so then they'll come back with their answers. And I'll say, you know, sometimes I get great answers and I hear God clearly. And other times I miss the boat, must have had bad pizza. But the truth is I can always test what I hear and the ideas that come to my head. And the first test is, is it consistent with scripture? Does the Bible teach the same things that I'm seeing? So if I ask the question, um, is how much does God love me? And I see a this little bit. Is that consistent with scripture? No, God's thoughts are as vast as the seas on the sand for me. God's love is so lavished on me that he has called me the children of God. His love is so wide and so deep and it can't be separated. I can pull out these scriptures, right? That thought was a bad pizza thought. Yeah. And I can test it. There's no condemnation, and that's the other side of that piece. Oh, it's okay if we didn't quite get it right. Now we're going to learn, we're going to practice more scripture, and then we're going to ask God again. And we're going to talk. So and, fits with scripture. Fits then, with scripture. Fits with the character of fits God. Fits with the character the of God. One. And the third one is, does it come with peace? The Holy Spirit is the Prince of Peace. And he, Jesus, is the Prince of Peace, his very character. And so if it doesn't come with peace, it's, it's not of God. Yeah. And that one is a little harder to negotiate. And there's some nuance there that is a little more complex. But those first two, is it consistent with Scripture? And is it consistent with the names of God and the character of God as revealed in Scripture? Those two things are so important. And we, can, we need that as adults, yeah. right? Test our ideas. And we need to give that to our kids. Because if we're not informing mm. and helping those kids know how to test what they hear we're just setting them up to be wonker doodles later yeah so so we're we have this challenge whatever we're teaching how do i create an experience so the kids emotions are tied into this they're not just sitting and listening um, which is one reason i think live teaching is so important there's a place for video use 
Um, but videos can't do what a live person can do as they talk about God's impact on them. But then Sunday's over. And we, we could go back and forth sharing stories forever of ways we've attempted to do this at church. Some gone great, maybe some not so great. Because um, we got to be willing to, just to try things. But how do we challenge kids or how do we have an influence in their experience of God during the week? What, what do you do to take that beyond Sunday or whatever day you meet? Absolutely. So at Freedom House, we believe that we can hear God and we can discern his voice. And we believe that obedience is success. And so with kids, we want them to go home and practice that. But we don't want them to start with sell the house, give away my mom's car keys, you know, some of those more generous and dramatic responses that might be good ideas, but maybe not today. So we always frame it in the context of kindness, because kindness is the heart of God. Romans 2, 4 says it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. So we always practice obedience to God's voice in the context of kindness. So we ask God, what is one kind thing I can do in my family today? And then we ask and we wait for God's ideas to come in. And then we go and we run with that kind idea. And the cool thing is, is the stories are the the actions and the kindnesses that have a subsequent story that something happened and it connected to this or that, you know, we gave them a sunflower and we didn't even know it was their favorite flower of all. Yeah. All of a sudden you can bring that back when they tell that story the next week and say, when you see those really cool connections, you know, that was a God idea and that you can follow those breadcrumbs. You can follow and say, God is working in that person's heart. And it's a really safe and great place to start. And it's incredibly empowering for kids because they love to serve. They love to surprise people. They love to do things. You know, so we can do that with words of encouragement. God, who, who should I encourage today? Who comes to my mind in that prayer moment? Okay, and how can I tell them about your love? Or how, what can I say to them that will encourage them? And then we test it. Is it consistent with scripture? Is it consistent with God's character? Mm -hmm. If it is, yes, go. Make a card. Write it down. Give it away. And it's so important um, to recognize that there's no condemnation for when we don't get it quite right. But we want to take action when it passes that test. And we want to be obedient. Yeah, I think, I think every week we need to give kids some kind of a practical way they can do it whether you call that your you know life application or it's your mission assignment this week or whatever um i can't tell me times over the years it's been fun to have parents call wanting to know what i taught on sunday because their kid did something strange you know <laughs> and uh and so they figure it's my fault you know and i'm like not my fault it's the holy spirit's fault you know um but one of my favorites was a mom called me and wanted to know you know what we taught on and and I said, well, it was actually just the golden rule, doing unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And I said, so in my closing prayer, um, and it's funny, an adult would see this coming, but kids didn't. I challenged them, think of something cool that you wish somebody would do for you. And make it realistic. Don't make it give you a million dollars or buy you a game system. You know, just something real, everyday thing that someone could actually do for you this week. So the kids were all thinking about it. And then, of course, I flipped it and said, that's your assignment, to do that for someone else. 
And I actually had kids go, no way, or you're kidding, or, oh, you know, because once it was flipped, they didn't, they didn't like it anymore. You know, an adult probably would have seen the challenge coming and thought of something safe, you know. But anyway, this little boy, he got $5 in the mail from grandma who lived out of state with a note to go to the toy store and buy a toy. Well, they got to the Toys R Us and this younger boy asked his mom, what, uh, what is Matt, his older brother, this was Sam, what, what is Matt saving up for? And she said, oh, he's saving up for a Spider-Man action figure. And so little Sam said, well, then that's what I want to buy. So the mom's first response was, oh, no, you're going to go home and show the figure and make your kid, your brother jealous. And she said, oh, no, you're not buying, you know, what Matt wants. You need to get your own thing. And he said, no, I want to buy it for him. And she thought, well, that's weird. So she thought, I'm just going to let this go. So they did. They found it. He bought it. And she, when we came home, she said the, it was so strange because he just walked up to his brother and said, here, and then left. No explanation. And his brother's like, Okay. And so, of course, she called me. And uh, I said, well, you know what? He must have thought, I wish my brother would buy me a toy or give me a toy, you know? And so when I told him to do it, he did it. And he did it without any, I'm so spiritual. I did this sacrifice, you know, my birthday money on you. He just did it. And uh, that's why I love that you said obedience is success. When the kids actually live out what we're teaching them. And the cool value is, is if we can next week, Sunday, when they come back, have them testify to that experience and maybe how hard it was and maybe how unrewarding or very rewarding that experience was, we can then unpack that experience with, you know, other questions that really help them to make connections with the challenges that come from obedience. Sometimes I don't feel like it. Sometimes I don't get what I want. And it helps to, again, you're taking experience and you're allowing experience plus Mm -hmm. some sneaky questions to teach them. So So maybe review isn't so much what did we learn last week, who can regurgitate it back, but what happened this week in your life as a result of what we learned last week, you know, and, and I know we're dealing with kids. A lot of times you're going to get blank stares, but as you, uh, in practice, as you allow kids to share those things, the kids see that and they want to have a God story, you know, they want to be able to. And so it becomes contagious. And it, if you're new to this, uh, folks, it will be a new thing, but it, and it will look like it's not working at first because it's so different than just, the, what did you learn? You know, do you, can you say the Bible verse? And, and that's all good. Um, but when you take it that next step of how is it actually changing your life, it's, it's going to make a big difference. Yeah. And, and I want to encourage people. I think a lot of Sunday school teachers and parents actually stay away from the messy interaction of Holy Spirit and what's Holy Spirit saying because we don't get it right all the time. Yeah. And we don't, uh, we, we struggle with the fact that it's, a little bit nebulous and I feel a pulling or it's a gentle whisper and, and is it me or is it God? And, mm-hmm. and, and so we, we tend to stay away from it cause it's a little bit unpredictable. Yeah. It's certainly not controllable and sometimes it's really messy, but if we can actually allow that messy and allow that place where I don't have all the answers, but 
I'm going to find out those answers or I'm going to look in scripture to see what scripture has to say that will help us understand what we experienced, then it will unpack not only um, our, our dependence on the Holy Spirit, our dependence on scripture, but it's going to actually allow them to relate to you so that you're not just answer guy. Yeah. You are actually learning and growing as a as an adult in pursuing and knowing God's voice. And that is so valuable because now you're on the same playing field as them. We're learning to know God and mm-hmm. we can do this together. And it's a great way. And, and earlier I said you can't give what you, you don't have. Yeah. Truth is, if, if you're not actually cultivating these moments in your own quiet time with God, those your tendency in the classroom is going to be to control and to shut down. But when you actually experience the mess for yourself and when you allow the Holy Spirit to teach you, you will learn how to teach them. Well, because you'll want them you'll want them to have that genuine partnership with God experience that you're right isn't isn't always clean. Well, hey, I want to bring us uh, to a close here, but not until you share something you're working on that is to really get not only outside the church um, but into the schools, taking this kindness, model that um you know my dad often says as a joke when something good happens like he gets a close parking spot well it's god's kindness driving me to repentance you know um (laughs) but uh (laughs) i love that line but you've taken this impact of kindness and how god uses our acts of kindness to draw people to himself to you're doing something really cool called the kindness project just give us a quick overview i know it's not completed yet um but i love how you are doing something with that concept. Absolutely. So the Kindness Project has a couple different expressions uh, at Freedom House. One is our Kindness Center where we just serve the city. And the other one is Superhero and Me, which is actually a curriculum that I have written under the Holy Spirit's wisdom and insight and revelation. Uh, The genius in it is actually Holy Spirit, not me. But I'm seeing it be so effective. And what it is in its simplicity is a proactive anti-bullying strategy. So instead of coming in and saying, don't do this, do this, label so-and-so, tattle on so-and-so, we're actually saying, you know what, each of us has value and we can value ourselves and we can build value in each other Mm -hmm. through kindness. And we teach them to encourage each other. We teach them the power of kindness and how it feels to give and receive kindness and how we can build habits and how we can literally be kindness superheroes in our everyday life. And the stories that I have, I would love to share one day of just kids grabbing a hold of this and literally beginning to change their culture in their classroom. I had one classroom, the long story short, two bullies who at the beginning of the eight weeks were fighting to fisticuffs half the time in that class. By the end of the eight weeks, the one bully just stood up in front of his entire class and said, Miss Nikki, you won't believe this, but this entire class knows that I'm a bully, but I don't want to be that because of what you've taught me about kindness. Wow. Wow. I sat there and went, oh my goodness. And at the end of every single one of those uh, workshop series, I take um, a little circular piece of paper, I call a marble because it relates to the relate infor- information in the workshops. But And I pray and I ask God for a word of encouragement in non-Christianese, <laughs> so everyday common language, what is something that I can affirm in this child? 
and I read it to them publicly and I affirm them publicly and I draw out what God is showing me in them. And those moments bring people to tears, bring kids to tears. And this little boy, this bully was holding that marble in his hand when he said that. And he said, you've told me I can be something better. And the crazy thing is, this is a year and a half later, those two boys are best of friends now. And it's absolutely amazing what God has done through a seed of kindness and some empowerment of unpacking an experience, not just giving them information. I love the poem. I look, can I give them the website address? I know it's under development a little bit. Yeah. If you just go to thekindnessproject.ca and then forward slash superhero, um, you can, you can read a lot about it there. Uh, in the sample, I downloaded the sample discussion guide and the sample lesson. I love the poem you have in there in the kid's workbook that says, I have value. I have something to give. I have value. I have a reason to live. I have value. There is something the world needs. I have value. That something is me. I think that is such a powerful message. And all truth is God's truth. And as kids embrace their identity, that they were created for a purpose, that they have got a role in the world, um, I think the Holy Spirit is going to use that to draw them to himself as they become purposeful um, people. So I just want to ask you two of my crash questions here toward the end. Um that I want to ask every uh, interviewee, um, and this is not a, a topic for long discussion, but just a quick one. If you met Sorry. a brand new children's pastor, um, they're a total newbie, what's a nugget of advice um, that you would uh, give them? I think I would stick with you can't give what you don't have. All right, Straight good. <laughs> so their own walk with God is, is the most important thing that they um, need to be focused on. Without question. All right, cool. Second one, recruiting tip. That's the number one topic children's pastors always want. And uh, last week, uh, last podcast, uh, Josh Denard had a great one about don't lose the ones you have and pour into them. So that one's taken. Uh, what would be a, a just a brief tip for that ever-present recruiting need? Fantastic. Um, you know what? I'm a firm believer that we recruit through relationship. And it's not a please, can you come and help fill a hole? It's uh, I see this in you, and I need that. Our kids need that. Would you share it? Again, like, <laughs> my world ha- needs something, and it's you. Awesome. That's awesome. All right, and then I always end with a Star Wars question, just because I'm a Star Wars nerd. I, I know you like Star Wars. Um, but uh, So what's your favorite character or favorite quote from Star Wars? Oh, my goodness. I've got a bunch, but I think I'm still... Uh, a diehard Yoda fan, and his quote, um, do or do not, there is no try, is still hands down my favorite. Yeah, that's good. And that's applicable to children's ministry. Uh, I tried to do this. No, just do it. And do your best. Realize perfection isn't what God wants. What he wants is your all and your effort and your heart. And uh, that'll never be perfect until he that began a good work in you carries it on to completion uh, until the day of Christ Jesus, but th- that uh, could be tomorrow, but that could be a ways off. We don't know. So that's pretty awesome. So, uh, well, Nikki, I am so delighted to have got to spend this time with you. Uh, we could talk a long time about kidnapping, but thank you for this reminder that we need to not just teach knowledge, but we need to actually be coaching kids um, on how to walk with God. And we do that by creating experiences at church challenging experiences into the world, giving them something practical like 
doing something kind and then attributing that kindness um, to God. So thanks for joining me. Um, folks, you can always shape the show. If there's a children's pastor or director leader that you think ought to be on Kidman Talk, let me know. You can email me, carl at kidmantalk.com, or if you tweet at Kidologist, I would love to hear from you. And be sure to check out the show notes for this podcast where I'll put a bunch of goodies for you. Thanks so much. <laughs>